Hello, Valley family. Good morning. Uh, Welcome. Thank you for joining us for week number two uh, in our series that we're calling Warrior. Uh, Last week, we talked about one of the first, you know, essentials of a warrior, and that is courage. Uh, and today, part two, I want to talk about preparation. And uh, but before I do that, though, I do want to mention uh, we just had a bunch of new uh, magnets made for our, our church magnets. Uh, and right now, as we speak, one is being put on your car. Uh, right as you sit here, every single car in all the parking lots, one is being put on there. And this is what I'm asking you to do to help me out. Okay, just just if you're willing to do this, just do nothing. Just, just drive around on town with that on, on the back of your car there. Uh, nice magnet, just a freebie. It's just a way that we can kind of get word out. We talked about this a couple weeks ago in a sermon. Like, because we have three different services and all, sometimes we have people that work in the exact same office, don't even know they go to the same church. Uh, so this is a way you're like, wait, what? What? Uh, you go to Valley as well. We've actually had members of families that didn't realize it till they went to Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, cousins that actually for years attended the church together. I guess people don't talk about church much. But anyway, uh, that's just a free gift being put on everybody's car. And uh, I, I, I happen to know that Foam and Wash Car Wash has about 380 of those older ones that fly off when you get your car washed. But well, hopefully these won't uh, this time. But we are we're in this series, week number two. I want to invite back next week uh, as we're going to look at one of the great strategic victories that Joshua uh, ever accomplished, and that was defeating Jericho. But we're going to kind of look at the, uh, the preview of that, like the behind the scenes, what took place in, in order for that incredible, it, really one of the greatest uh, military strategies that's ever been employed uh, around the battle of Jericho. And uh, we're going to look at an unlikely person, uh, actually a a woman in the Bible, that the victory totally, the whole thing pivoted on her. Not not only the victory over Jericho pivoted on her, but God's plan of redemption for all humanity pivoted on her. And and it's just, I think we're going to be kind of surprised when we find out like how God actually took this, this, this particular person and used her in an incredibly mighty way. And it all has to do with preparation. You know, I was a high school football coach. I, I had the, just the joy of coaching for 12 years in the public high school and, and also a Catholic high school. The last three years that I coached, I coached at Lord's High School. That's where our daughters were at the time. And all three of uh, my wife Susie and I, our three daughters graduated from there. And uh, we used to give out a, a little challenge coin to all the players, uh, which was interesting because Lord's, the mascot is the Warriors. So they were the warriors, and, and there's a little challenge coin I have in my pocket. Uh, and on the back of it, this was our mantra all the time, plan, prepare, expect to win. Plan, prepare, expect to win. That was also, when I coached at John Jay, that was our, our theme as well. Plan, prepare, expect to win. In, in other words, you'll never win unless you prepare. The teams that win the best when it comes to football are those that are prepared the best. Uh, and and it, maybe, you know, you have a child that played high school football recently or anything like that. What most parents don't realize is if any program is really winning a lot, on average, those, that coach and staff probably spend somewhere 10 to 15 hours every week just breaking down film outside of practice. I used to do that, preach twice here, go over to John Jay for eight or nine hours because they start at 8 a.m., but go over there for another eight or nine hours and just break down film just to prepare for our opponents. 
And when it comes to being a warrior, if you and I are going to be the warriors God wants us to be, we have to prepare as well. And so that's what this message is. We're going to talk about preparation. And it's in Joshua chapter 2. But before we get there, I want to, I want to give you kind of the big idea of today. Uh, and it's this. You can't become a warrior if you aren't serious about your preparation. You can't become a warrior unless you're serious about your preparation. And I think God in this day and age, God wants every single one of us to be a, a warrior for our faith. To, to really impact those around us for his sake. Every warrior must be prepared. Let's look at Joshua chapter 2, verse 1, and and I want to just kind of read through this incredible story in Joshua 2, which is the preamble, is the preface of the victory at Jericho. In Joshua chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies to Shittim. And I'm not going to comment on that, but uh, that is just a really awkward name for a town, and... uh, I'm not going to ask if anyone's ever been there, but I'm going to just move right on. And it says, uh, uh, and so, so he says to these two spies, he, he says, go look over the land. He said, especially Jericho, because Jericho was like the key city in the land that God had promised to Israel, in the land of Canaan. And so they went and they entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. Now let's just time out for a minute. Let, let me just, so, so that we don't, misunderstand what's happening here. So Joshua is the commander, he's the captain, he's the leader of Israel, and he sends two spies, and he goes, spy out the land. And and so, especially Jericho. So they go to Jericho, and they end up knocking on the door of a woman who's a prostitute in Jericho. And she invites them in. Now, there's, it's kind of interesting that these two spies, nowhere in the Bible does it say what their names are. But can you imagine in all likelihood they were married? Uh, can you imagine when they got back home and their wives asked how the mission went? Well, see, we were hanging out with these, this prostitute named Rahab and we were at her house. And you see, and you were what? We, we, were, just, we, we, we were just there visiting her. You were what? You were visiting a prostitute? I mean, that's literally the backstory of what's happening here, is that this prostitute, she was known in Jericho as a prostitute. Everyone knew that. And so she was a woman who had been marginalized, who had been moved to the outskirts that the culture and the city overlooked. Like, they knew she was there, but they didn't want to admit she was there. And this is the one that plays a pivotal role in the victory And in God's plan for redemption of all humanity, this woman named Rahab. I don't know what your past was, but you have not done anything so bad as to forfeit God's power for your future, for you to fulfill his plan and purpose for you. Rahab is a, we're going to find out today, a woman among women when it comes to the biblical record. I mean, she's like royalty when it comes to faith in God. Powerful. And she was a person with a past that other people overlooked. And so the spies go in to spy out the land. They end up meeting Rahab, and she helps them with the strategy. 
So let's look at three things. Three things I want to give you today. What, what is the preparation routine of a warrior? We see it here in, in Joshua chapter 2. Next week we're going to talk about the victory. Two weeks from now, we're, we're going to be looking at a, an incredible encounter that Joshua has that, that is just absolutely one of the, I think, in my opinion, one of the coolest recorded events in the whole Bible, especially in the whole Old Testament. That's two weeks from today. But what is the preparation routine of a warrior? Here's the first one. Warriors are concerned with faithfulness more than self-preservation. Warriors are concerned more with faithfulness than self-preservation. Again, think about it. Nowhere in the Bible, this is, this is one of the greatest military victories that's about to happen in Jericho that we'll look at next week. And these two spies, their names are not even mentioned. In other words, they weren't concerned with who would get the credit. They, they wanted God to get the glory. They didn't need the credit. This is just unusual folks here. Let me put it this way. The spies are more consumed with making God's name famous and not their own. That's what their focus is. Let's make God's name famous and not our own. And so we don't even know. Nowhere in the Bible are they ever mentioned. And they knew it was written down. They knew it was recorded. Nowhere are they mentioned. Did you know that, uh, that they, it, it kind of reminds me uh, when I think about them knocking on the door of Rahab, the, the prostitute, uh, that 1970s, I think it was 1970s or early 80s movie, the Blues Brothers, you know, and they would always show up and we're like, we're on a mission from God, you know. Did, did you know that just like the spies showed up, we're on a mission from God. You're on a mission from God. The reason you're alive on the planet today is God has a mission he wants to accomplish through you. A unique plan and purpose. That's why he purposed you into being. It's almost like you're born twice. Anthony Young said this a couple weeks ago. I thought that is the most profound thing I've ever said. Every one of us is born twice. Created twice, rather. Created in the mind of God first before the beginning of time. And then created in our mother's womb for that purpose. There's no such thing as an accidental child. Every single one of us has a purpose, a unique design. You're on a mission. That the people that God brings across your path on a regular basis, maybe it's in school, maybe it's in your class, maybe it's on the job, maybe it's you know, on, on the, the baseball field, football field, whatever it is. Maybe it's when you're riding your bike or walking your dog. You were created on purpose for a purpose. Mission. You have a mission. And, and the mission God created you for is not the mission he created me for. And he needs you to accomplish the mission he created you for. And he needs me to accomplish the mission that he created me for. Th these, these spies had a mission. And, and what we're going to see happens is when they told Rahab about their mission, all of a sudden Rahab realized God created her for a mission. And she was, and I know none of us have ever done this before, she was living life for herself instead of for God's plan and purpose. And then she switched teams. And that's when everything changed in her life. When she's like, I, I don't want to be on Team Jericho anymore. I want to be on Team God. I want to be on God's team now. And everything flipped as a result of that. The spies are more consumed with making God's name famous and not 
their own. Here's the second thing. When it comes to a preparation routine of a warrior, warriors are willing to risk their lives to be on God's side. Warriors are willing to risk their lives just to be on God's side. Look at the next verse, Joshua chapter 2, verse 2. The king of Jericho was told, so somebody snitched on Rahab. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent the message to Rahab, bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because you have come to spy out, because they have come to spy out the whole land. Just just think about that for a minute. How, how, How did they find out these guys were at her house? Or her apartment, whatever. I I think probably because she took someone else's appointment. These two guys took someone else's appointment. And and they were miffed about that. They go to the who's in there with Rahab? This is I'm supposed to, this is my time to be in there with Rahab. And so they go and they snitch to the king, and the king says, You better bring them out right now. We know they're in there. And, And Rahab, as she's watching this whole thing unfold, she realizes that she was on the wrong team, that she'd been making the wrong choices that she'd been worshiping the wrong God. And the one true God was drawing her to himself. Not unlike every one of us. Every one of us at some time, we we were making the wrong choices. We were going in the wrong direction. We were, we were on the wrong team. We were, we were maybe worshiping the wrong God, the, the God of self. The God of me, myself, and I, I'm the center of it all. And then she changes teams. God was drawing her to himself. Can I just put it this way? Be careful. Be really, really careful in life. Be very, very careful about drawing premature conclusions and judgments about people. Just just be really careful about doing that. Because here's the thing. When, When we draw conclusions, oh, that person's this way, they'll never change. Oh, 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 that's just the way that he is. He'll never be different. There's nothing. That's just, he's, he's always going to be that way. You know what you're ruling out is God. God's ability to reach. You're saying God's not powerful to reach that person. I, I'll give you an example. I, I've got a lot of friends that are pastors all over. And, and uh, one of them, I was talking to him one day, and he said, man, craziest thing just happened in my church. And, and I said, what's that? And he goes, some of the leaders in my church, man, they're really spiritual people. Like, like they're really super spiritual. And they're always like, what about this verse? What about that verse? And like, I'm preaching, and they're always questioning me, like, just all this. And, and I was like, yeah. And he goes, and, and then it was kind of weird. This woman came to church a couple weeks ago, and, and she received Christ. She's a Christian now. And uh, she'd been a stripper in town. And I'm like, okay, yeah, this is getting really weird. And, and he said, and she turns around, she goes, hey, I know him, I know him, I know him, and it's these three leaders in my church that are so spiritual, quoting scripture all the time. And he said, they visit the club all the time. And, and I said to my friend, I said, do you realize what was happening there? Those three leaders in your church we're totally convinced and fine with her going to hell and hoping Jesus would not reach her. And he said, I never thought of it that way before. But God did reach her. And she called those men out in front of their wives who were completely oblivious to it 
Be careful when you draw conclusions about people. That God can't reach you. Because God's arm is not too short to reach anybody on this planet. He reached Rehab, Rahab. And he used her in a plan of redemption for all humanity. A, a real warrior is willing to sacrifice whatever they need to do to risk their own lives to be on God's side. The spies really weren't the only warriors. Rahab was a warrior too. She no longer wanted to be on Team Jericho. Now she wanted to be on God's side. Let me ask you a question. How do you, how do you respond in life when God's working upstream in your life, when God's doing something that's uncomfortable, that's awkward, that you can't quite understand where is this going? How do you respond to that? Because he does it all the time. And maybe it's on the job where you say, like, like if I really take a stand for Christ, if, if, you know, the boss comes to you and says, listen, I need you just to, I, I need you just to cook the books a little bit. I, I need you just to kind of, just, just kind of skirt it. Don't, you can tell something that, say, say a little, tr- something true, but don't tell the whole truth. What do you do in those situations like that? See, because, like, Rahab... Rahab wasn't facing losing her job. She was facing losing her life. And yet she took a stand. Even though she knew what she was in the past, even though she knew, she knew who everyone in that city and town was telling, that's who you are, Rahab. She's willing to take a stand, even risk her own life. See, I think every one of us has to settle that ahead of time or we'll make the wrong decision if it ever comes to that are you willing to risk your own life for faith in Christ to just do whatever he asks that's what I'm going to do this past week it was kind of funny uh, Susie and I were doing some reading some, some conversation I came across all this this, this article that had all the statistics about pastors in America, and I'll tell you, it's heart-wrenching what, what the statistics are about pastors in America right now. Uh, one, for instance, like, you know what the average tenure of a pastor is in America right now? Like, like when get out of Bible college or seminary and go, you know what the, ten, like the career of a pastor is? Five years. Done. Five years. Done. I'm, I'm over. I'm out. That's an average five years. We're, we're sitting there talking like, 32 years, how have I done this? How have we done this for 32 years, you know, uh, pastor here in this church? And uh, it brought us back to, to what we did at the very beginning. That, that we just decided, Lord, our lives belong to you. Whatever you ask, we'll do. Like, we're signing on the dotted line. You fill in the details. And, and, and I don't think that's just for pastors, because Rahab was not a pastor. I think that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Lord, whatever you ask, I'll do it. Whatever it is, you fill in the details. That's what it means to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Because I think, you know, think, think about this even. Jesus, right before the cross, you, you know he didn't want to die for you, right? 
He didn't want to do it because he prayed to get out of it. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is like, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. He didn't want to do it. But then in the next breath, what does he say? Not my will, yours be done. I think the Christian life is basically that statement every day. Not my will, yours be done. I think every single day we have to say that, God, not my will, but yours be done. In essence, that's what Rahab was saying. No matter what my past was, no matter what my hurt, even the abuse and, 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 and people just using her, God, my life belongs to you, not my will. Yours be done. Whatever you ask, even if it's my life, I'm, I'm going to risk my life. And that's why she's a phenomenal woman of God, phenomenal, phenomenal woman of faith in the scriptures. See, warriors speak up. Warriors step up. Warriors take a stand. That's what warriors for God have always done, and that's what they'll always do. Settle it right now, today, before you face the moment where you have to do it or not. God, whatever you ask, because if you don't settle it now, you will not make the right decision when you're faced with that in the future. God, whatever you ask, I'll do. Interesting, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, it says, But in your heart, speaking to followers of Christ, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. In other words, if Jesus really is your Lord, it says, this is what you need to do. This is how it's going to look. Always be prepared. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So, so, so we're, not, we're supposed to prepare all the time for someone saying, hey, are you a follower of Jesus? Are you a Christian? And we shouldn't be like, oh my gosh, I haven't read the Bible in a year and a half. Oh my gosh, where's that? Where's, where's Pastor Greg's sermon notes from last week? Maybe I could say something. We're supposed to always be prepared. That, that's not pastors. That, that, that's not church staff. That's every follower of Jesus. Be prepared all the time. In season and out of season. Ready to give an answer. If, if, regard, if you regard Jesus Christ in your heart as your Lord, you, you're going to be prepared. Because that's what warriors do. That's how warriors win. Being prepared. Here, here's the third preparation routine of a warrior. Warriors are confident that God is personally involved in their lives. He's not distant. Personally involved. Look at the next verse in Joshua chapter 2, verse 8. And it says, Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up to the roof and she said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear has fallen on us so that all that live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for when you came out of Egypt. And goes on and it says... And what you did to Sion and to Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan. In other words, their reputation preceded them. The, the, the nation of Israel, this nomadic nation, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. 
For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. Sounds like someone who converted, doesn't it? She's like, I'm on God's team now. I'm not on Team Jericho any longer. I'm on God's team. And Rahab went all in, even to the point that her life could be demanded of her. And so personally, she's like, I'm on God's team. He's with you, and I want him to be with me. The, the spies then make a deal with Rahab, and, and they, hang, they say, hang a scarlet, let, a scarlet uh, cord, a scarlet rope from your home, and, and then when the armies of Jericho come to destroy the, and everyone in the city, that God commanded them to do that, a little explanation behind the why there. He said, everyone, the armies will see that scarlet robe, and you and your family will be saved because you helped us. And, they, and then she helped them to escape. And then they went back to Joshua and they reported in Joshua chapter 2, verse 24, it says, and they said to Joshua, the Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All of the people are melting in fear because of us. In other words, like the victory is ours because God's with us. Rahab, this prostitute, told us what the, what, the, what the temperature's like, not only in Jericho, but all the people here in Canaan. God's going to give us the victory over all this. God used this woman, Rahab, in, in, in ways that's almost hard to even comprehend. Because you see, warriors don't allow their past to define their future. Let me say that again. Warriors don't allow their past to define their future. They allow God to define their future. They allow God to define who they are and what the future holds for them. That's what warriors of faith really do. Let me dive a little bit deeper on this topic of, of Rahab and how God just worked through her life in a powerful way. Rahab, remember the spies said, you hang this scarlet rope, the armies of Israel will see it, and everyone in your household will be saved. Rahab already had some kids. Rahab ended up being the great-grandmother of King David. Jesus Christ is a direct descendant of King David. Jesus Christ is a direct descendant from this prostitute named Rahab. A warrior doesn't allow their past to define their future. That's why God says, give me your past. Whatever, he knows it all. He said, give it all to me. And you watch what I do with your future. God used her in an amazing way. So much so, she's mentioned not once, but twice in the New Testament. Let's look at it in James. In James chapter 2, verse 25, it says, Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions, and when she hid those messengers, those spies, and sent them safely away by a different road. There's not a lot of people that are from the Old Testament that are mentioned in the New Testament. Rahab was. There's instance number one, but that's not the only place. If you know the Bible, you know, kind of well, Hebrews chapter 11 is often referred to as the hall of faith. 
This is like the cream of the crop. These are like the five-star, you know, like people of God. Rahab's in there. There's a few women that are mentioned in there. Rahab's one of them. Look at Hebrews chapter 11. It says, by faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. The rest of the whole entire city of Jericho. Her and her family were saved. Why? Because she switched teams. She knew there was a time in her life when she was making the wrong decisions, going in the wrong direction, and worshiping the wrong God. And she switched teams. I'm going to make the right decisions, head in the right direction, and worship the one and true God. And she ends up being great-grandmother to King David. And Jesus Christ himself, a direct descendant of Rahab's. God uses women in the most extraordinary ways all throughout the Bible. Women of faith. God used her in a powerful way for his purposes. And he always has. And it's really sad. I I mentioned uh, last week that I was going to talk about this a little bit today. It is really sad that many churches still, even in the 21st century, continue to diminish, demean, and devalue women in the church. There's only two problems with that. The Bible and church history that say the exact opposite of that. So, so many women have been used by God in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, to speak on God's behalf, literally. And yet there are those that would try to say, women, you keep your mouth shut in church. You've got nothing to say unless you're a man. And I'm talking about churches in our community. I'm talking about churches in, in, in the Hudson Valley, in our state, in our nation, and in the world today. And it just makes no sense to me whatsoever. And let me just say this, if you're new to Valley Christian Church, the Valley family, that is not this place. Because there's only two explanations for for that whole idea of women should just keep their mouth shut, have nothing to say, not allowed to say anything in church. One is ignorance, we don't know. We just don't know what the Bible actually says. The second would be willful ignorance. We just don't care what the Bible says. I know a lot of pastors. I know a lot of pastors that think this way. That's more the reason we just don't care what the Bible really says. Because it's, it's clear. It's, it's like there's not even a debate when you really look at the Scripture and how God used people all throughout the Scripture. In fact, that's one of the first things that I changed in our church 30 years ago when I became the pastor of our church. That, that, that to just value the voice of women in our church, which had not been the case. In fact, just recently stumbled across a cassette tape by my mother, a message that she gave her, her testimony on, on a Sunday in 1993. Our church was found in 1975. She was the first woman to ever speak on a Sunday. My mom, my dad founded the church, never let it happen under his leadership. And, and, and I'd gone to college and I studied these things and I was like, this is not right. And so Susie and I actually bought a cassette recorder this past week so we could listen to this message that my mother gave. And man, it was 1993. I I actually wrote a paper about it, and and it's available for you to download all week long on our sermon notes. And it's about women in ministry. 
And it just shows this is what, how God used women in the Old Testament to speak on his behalf. This is how God used women in the New Testament to speak on his behalf. This is how God used women all through history to speak on his behalf. And it even talks about, well, what about the verse that says that are grossly misinterpreted and twisted for male chauvinist leaders? And I'm saying that as a man. I've done my homework on this. Let me give you an example just in the Old Testament alone. In the Old Testament, God used Holdelah the prophetess to speak on his behalf. Deborah the judge, Jael the heroine. She wasn't on heroin, she was a hero. Uh, Miriam the prophetess, the wise men of Tekoa, all of these scripture references, the wise, uh, wise women of Tekoa, the wise women of Abel, Beth, Macha, uh, Abigail, Esther, Ruth, whole books that are named after women. How could someone say a woman cannot speak? How is that possible? Two whole books of the Bible named after women. What kind of willful ignorance is that? I'm sorry, I have seen the damage caused by male chauvinist men leaders too much over the last three decades. Grinding women under their boots. And it's not the Bible, people. This is not the Bible, and I'm, I'm passionate about it. I'm not yelling at you. I'm yelling because of the counseling appointments I have to have of women that come from other churches that have just been manhandled, abused. And the pastor says, you forgive and you stay with your husband while he knocks your brains out. What's going on? Hannah, Rahab, Sarah, that's just the Old Testament. Let's look at the New Testament. Mary, the mother of Jesus, speaks on behalf of God. Mary Magdalene, Phoebe, the deaconess, the deacon in the church, Phoebe. Philip's four daughters that are called prophetesses in the New Testament, Acts chapter 21. What kind of ignorance would someone say? A woman can't speak in the church. Anna, the prophetess, Luke chapter 2. Chloe, who had a church in her home, and it wasn't because a man led it. She was the pastor of the church. This is the Bible. Nymphius, who had a church in her home, she was the pastor of that church. Priscilla, she and her husband were teachers in 1 Corinthians 16, and Lydia, Acts, 6, uh, and Acts 16, and so many others. This is just a sample. Sample. It's like this is not even like, how could this even be talked about, like debated? It's either ignorance or willful ignorance. We just don't care. Listen, let me just say something. Don't ever believe a pastor who says he preaches the full counsel of God and he does not allow women to speak in the church. He doesn't. It's not true. It's not true. This is just a sample and you can download that, that article right there, eight pages that, of a woman's worth and value in ministry. And, and if you don't want to take it from me, because I know sometimes like, well, I don't know. Let me recommend a book to you that's over 30 years old. This isn't even new, but this is written by one of the top New Testament scholars on the planet today. And you can actually scan it right there on the screen, and you can order it from Amazon. Paul, Women and Wives, Marriage and Women's Ministry in the Letters of Paul by Craig Keener. Because it's not Jesus' words about women that, that male leaders have twisted to say a woman should keep silent. It's Paul's, and it's a gross misinterpretation of what he said. 
And there's this, this book alone has over 100 pages of footnotes because everything is so documented and cross-checked in it. It's just not the way it's supposed to be. Rahab, a prostitute. The great-grandmother of David. Jesus himself, a direct descendant. I want to speak to the women in our church family right now. I want you to know something. We see you. We value you. We recognize God's work in your life and that you are a warrior. You are a warrior in God's eyes. And you are equal in every way, shape, and form to those of us who are men. And on behalf of men that have twisted God's word to make you feel less than, to make you feel unworthy, I just want to stand in that position right now and ask you to forgive us because you are worthy. Just like the names on that board just a moment ago, you are a warrior for God. And I'm going to ask right now something of the men in our church family. I'm going to invite you right now, men, would you stand with me and give the women in this church family a standing ovation right now? We believe in you. We believe in you. We see you. We see you. Amen. I'm going to ask, would you bow your heads with me right now and let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your word that brings freedom. Thank you for your word, Lord, that brings truth. Father, thank you for your word that brings correction. God, I just pray right now, if any, any, any man that's here and they're hearing my voice right now, God, that would rather take what someone else says about it than to actually search your word to see the value of a woman in your eyes and how often you have used women to speak through. God, I pray that every residue of that preconceived opinion would just vanish right now under the weight of, the, of the, your word. God, may we continue to lift up and to value women in this church family the way Jesus did, never to tell them to keep their mouth silent, only be seen and not heard, but Lord, who actually Jesus engaged women right where they were and sent them away differently because of his love and redemption. God, we thank you 
that, that we can be men and women warriors of faith. Just like Joshua, just like Rahab, just like these two spies. And God, that we will fulfill the mission that you created and purposed each and every one of us to fulfill. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.